everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Thurston County, Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. after the Seahawks won a remarkable game against the Cleveland Browns. This couldn't be any different, uh, any more different than the last time the Seahawks were in Cleveland, where the Browns won six to three in a Charlie Whitehurst mistake filled missing Marshawn Lynch, just ugly, ugly game. Seahawks in this game come away with 30, I want to say, <laughs> I have to look again, 32 points, right? 32-28, I believe is the final score. Um, I was so focused on the winning, I didn't really focus on the score. Yep, 32-28, final score. Tons of points. Um, you know, th this game started off as pretty much as poorly as you could imagine for, if you're a Seahawks fan, um, you've got, uh, you know, a kickoff. First of all, Jason Myers kicking into the wind. I'm going to have to assume and give him benefit of the doubt and Brian Schneider, the special teams coach, the benefit of the doubt that that wasn't planned to kick it short of the goal line. Jason Myers has consistently been kicking it through the end zone for touchbacks, which I much prefer with, with the way the rules are right now that came up short. Sure enough, coverage was bad, went right up the middle. It was like saints game all over again, special teams really failing the team to start, put the defense in a really bad position and the defense didn't handle it very well. Um, we were actually debating this in the Real Hawk Talk channel throughout the game, but uh, you know, my assessment was in that first half, 
I do not believe the Browns had a single negative yardage play. I believe the Seahawks didn't have a single tackle for loss. I don't think they had a sack. I mean, I think for the second week in a row, if I'm not right, yeah, yep. The Seahawks, again, do not have a single sack in this game. Um, they also had zero quarterback hits. Zero. Zero sacks, zero quarterback hits against a team that was basically just a massive disaster in the first half um, against the, the 49ers last week. They gave up four sacks in the first half last week. Nick Bosa was unblockable uh, in that game. So a lot was going wrong for the Seahawks on defense. What was going right was Baker Mayfield. I mean, that guy kept the Seahawks in this game all by himself. Um, and I think anyone that was watching that game had to notice that, you know, the first the first real turning point in terms of, of what happened for the Seahawks defense was Baker Mayfield throwing it directly to Trey Flowers, which I believe is the only way Trey Flowers can intercept the pass so far. Um, that was his first interception of his career. Second big play, I mean, they're in the end zone there and uh, in the red zone, I should say. Mayfield throws it behind his receiver um, and gives Shaquille Griffin credit, got a hand in there, knocked it out, give Tedrick Thompson credit, was in the right place and actually made the catch. Um, so, you know, and then at the end of the game, again, Baker Mayfield throws it behind his receiver. Doesn't mean that some of those plays shouldn't be made, but Mayfield was not good in this game. He was really bad. And Russell Wilson was MVP caliber, caliber again. Um, almost throws for 300 yards, um, goes for two touchdowns passing, one touchdown rushing, no interceptions again, um, 117.6 rating, six straight game with a uh, pass rating over 100. Um, there's going to be a lot of stats to look at in this game, but uh, you cannot exit this game without saying Russell Wilson absolutely carried this team to victory. I mean, just a fantastic performance. Um, we'll get more into that in a second. I want to welcome in Mr. Nathan Ernst to the show. Uh, how you doing, Nathan, at Nathan E11? Uh, pretty good. A little worse now than I was like four hours ago, but doing all right. <laughs> In what way? I don't know, man. That game was miserable, wasn't it? Like, <clears throat> I think, so I, I, again, I missed the first half on this one. So I didn't get to see all, I didn't get to see the Disley injury. I didn't get to see how that defense looked. So I missed all of that. Uh, and I think I saw them mostly look pretty good, the Seahawks, but man, the refs just really drug this game down into the gutter and made it just rough. It was really rough. I mean, it was really rough. But, I mean, a couple things around rough games. I mean, one. A win is a win. Last last time they played here, I yeah. think you remember that game in 2011, 6-3. Like, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> 32 points for the offense and legitimately earned. Like, the offense, for all the things that went badly, the offense – I mean, they put up 454 yards. They had 29 first downs. I mean, there's a lot of things that the offense did well. Um, and then also, I will just say, I mean, I said it in the, the show we did this week. I was a, I predicted a, a Seahawks loss in this game. So my expectations were pretty bad. And even when they went ahead by four and they gave the ball back to the Browns, I was like, I predicted the Browns to win by three. I was like super nervous. <laughs> I was sweating bullets. <laughs> So, you know, I hear you. It was definitely, there were parts that were really ugly, but um, offensively, what did you think about how the team played there? I mean, they looked pretty good. Uh, 
they're getting uh decaf uh decaf dk i like that i don't know if i like that (laughs) (laughs) no calf half calf uh they're getting dk involved in a lot of ways that aren't just bombs um in this game um you know like you said russell really carried this team um carson had a few nice runs there at the end uh so you know on offense i thought it all looked pretty good and like i said i missed the first half so on defense even like it didn't Mm. look that bad um now you know baker got hurt at some point in that game it looks like and you know we were talking about this in the group (laughs) chat right that like they did kind of give up two touchdowns uh on that one drive uh they had the fourth down they they had three shots at it they they stopped they stuffed the one that mattered you know but they did uh probably give up uh what should have been touchdowns on the other two so um defense had a little bit of roughness but overall i think i thought the team looked pretty good i you know this was kind of classic seahawks where the first half everybody is pulling their hairs out and wondering what the hell is going on and then the second half they play like we all know they can play and they win uh so you know i think that if if the refs hadn't really uglied this game up and just really been kind of amateurish um i think this would have been a much more enjoyable game to have watched (laughs) Wow. I mean, it was, even though I had predicted it, it was going to be a loss, the way it was looking in the first half and you, you, you will, I don't know if you'll want to watch that first half, but you probably should. It was looking ugly. I mean, first play short kick return 75 yards, very easy touchdown on, on offense. Uh, next drive, very, you know, oh, uh, Jason Myers misses an extra point, you know, you know, easy drive, the next drive for the Browns. Like they were just moving everything they were doing looked easy. It was saints esque. It was just, everything was going wrong. Myers misses a, uh, a kick, kick return, you know, the, yeah, just everything was going wrong. Defense looks in shambles. I mean, Chubb had, uh, 79 yards rushing in the first half and averaged almost nine yards to carry. I mean, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks that average that per play, right? So, yep. I mean, he was he was just gashing them. And I think I, I said before you went on, I am pretty sure they had zero tackles for loss in the first half. So every single Cleveland play either was an incompletion or a gain. I don't even think they had any stops for no gain. I think every single Cleveland play in the first half that was not an incompletion gained yardage. It was just it was bad. And they stopped that in the second half. I mean, the first drive, the Seahawks got a tackle for loss. They, they, I mean, they got a strip, you know, on, on the, the plate of Chubb. So, I mean, Chubb ends up with 122 yards rushing quick math, you know, 43 yards in the second half. And he ended up with 6.1 yards of carry. So you figure he's probably down around four or something like that in the second half. So not fantastic, but given the way Baker Mayfield was playing, it was crucial that they figured out how to slow down Nick Chubb because if they had to rely on Mayfield, we got what we got the result, you know, that was going to happen in that case. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the group chat was blown up. You guys were complaining about everything. My wife is texting me updates and it's all bad. And I'm like refreshing the score on my phone. And I'm just like, I just put the phone away and I was like, I'm just going to trust that this is a classic Seahawks first half. I'll get home in time for the second half and it'll be just like that Steelers game and it'll be great. And it wasn't quite like that, no. but it was, you know, this is what they do. They start slow. They, they slow play it. Uh, and, and then they finally do enough. 
You know what's really interesting about that? I'm curious if you feel differently. My assessment, like anyone that argues that the Seahawks have not gotten off to slow starts in the Pete Carroll era, you know, I, I don't want you to have Like, right? Like, they have been slow starters. And you can even say throughout the entire Seahawks franchise history, 10 a.m. games generally been slow starts anyway, but setting that aside, just in the Pete Carroll time frame. My assessment is those have been slow starts primarily on offense. Like it's the offense that seems to pick up steam and the defense tends to has held the team in the game. And I feel like they've, well, first of all, I mean, do you agree? Is that your assessment roughly? Yeah, it's usually some ugly, like 12 to seven, you know, into the first half score and, and yeah. Then alive. yeah. And I think one of the fascinating things that I don't think we should just um, uh, ignore or like miss that's happening is, this wasn't a slow start on offense. Like Russell Wilson is now six weeks in a row, been pretty consistent. I mean, there's definitely, you know, you could say the Saints game, things weren't clicking and they put up a lot of yards late. But in general, the offense hasn't been starting that slowly over the last, at least over the last three or four weeks. And in this game, I mean, I think we can go drive by drive here really quickly, but first drive, 75 yards, touchdown. Second drive, seven plays, 36 yards and a punt. Next drive, nine plays, 55 yards, field goal. Next drive, six plays, 18 yards. Unfortunately, didn't turn that around and got a field goal. Um, then final drive of the half, eight plays, 88 yards, touchdown. So the, the Seahawks, like, offense actually, I mean, if they had started slowly, been no way. Bad. No way did they have a chance in this game. And I think the offense played – pretty good throughout like my, my biggest criticism of the offense I'm curious your thoughts here Nathan but one I hated the third one call um I hated that CJ Procise was in the game instead of Chris Carson um that was bad um I thought Russell took a couple sacks that he didn't need to take but I mean that's really being nitpicky um well, what didn't you like about the third one call um like, I agree that Carson should have been there, right? Like, short yardage should just be Chris Carson every time. But other than that. It is it is not a particularly defendable reason. I, I did not feel confident in the Seahawks winning the line of scrimmage uh, a lot of the time in that game. And I don't think they've shown yet this year that they're consistently winning those short yardage situations. And Russell was just money. I felt so much more confident with the ball in his hands making a decision Um than just doing a predictable running play, especially if you're going to be running to CJ. And when people's giving people to give me crap, I'm a C, I believe CJ Procise is a is a good player. Do I think his best attribute is running in short yardage? No, <laughs> no. So I don't know. I mean, what did you think on that play? Uh, I mean, you know, that's one of the situations where running is good. So it's it's smart from like an analytics perspective. Um, I, you know, at the, the very end of the game there, you know, where they had the, the fourth and short and Carson just waltzed into the end zone because they got so much push up front. I was trying to think of other short yardage situations in this game. I, nothing's really jumping out to me. I'm sure they had some other that I don't really remember, though. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, I think running in those situations is smart. I think, you know, personnel wise, not the best. Um, but I do think that you're right that they have not been quite as... Um, as money in those situations that they have been like last year. Uh, and yeah. part of that could be because they keep trying to, they, they're giving more carries to CJ instead of Carson in those situations. 
What did you think about the offensive line? I think we got to, we got to talk. I think that's been missed a little bit because I mean, we'll get to Will Disley, which is just heartbreaking to see Disley go down. But um, you had no Dwayne Brown, you know, no Fluker. So Jamarco Jones, first official start at right guard, second game in his career at, at guard at all. And you had George Fant with his first start at left tackle. And I don't know how long. Um, I'm interested. Like, what what was your assessment of how the offensive line played in this game? They did okay, for sure. I mean, uh, I think one of the things that kind of helps is that, like, Brown has not been great this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that he's been bad necessarily, but he, he probably hasn't whole lot, been a whole lot better than, you know, average or good. Um, so not as big of a, you know, uh, a drop-off in that situation. Jones has looked pretty solid, though. Like, uh, he looks, you know like he deserves an opportunity to have some regular playing time, even when everyone else is, is healthy. So, uh, you know, pretty respectable. Even if Eddie had some moments in there and stuff, I mean, this, this it's kind of like last year, you know, last year they had an offensive line that could get the job done when they needed it to. And they had, you know, a second team, all pro left tackle. And so that, that worked out pretty good for them for the most part. Now they have a bunch of guys that, you know, can get it done. Same thing. They have, they can, they can get it done, but they don't have that second team all pro left tackle. And that, that shows so far this year, but overall they've been okay. They have not been, you know, a black hole or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, you know, just by the numbers here, we don't have pressures, but um, Browns end up with three sacks and six QB hits. And knowing that you had Miles Garrett going up against Jermaine Effetti in, in this game, you know, there actually weren't that many. Garrett had two sacks, but one of them came against Joey Hunt. Um, you know, as an extra lineman. And that was one that Russell really should have gotten rid of the ball. Like Hunt actually blocked him for a good few seconds of that play and Russell started to try to extend it. So, I mean, I think you could make the case that there was really one offensive line sack given up in this game. Um, I think it would be interesting to see what something like PFF does where they assess um, where sacks are attributed. But you know, it's not like Cleveland has the best pass rush in the league and they just dominated, but we have Vernon's done okay. And, and George fan, I think played okay. Um, I think you might be right that if Fetty might've had his best game of the season, I don't know. I want to see the numbers and that's a low bar, but you know, um, anytime you've got a quarterback who throws for 300 yards, averages nine yards to throw and a running game that runs for 170 yards and four and a half yards a carry, you know, the offensive line clearly was not keeping them from succeeding. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, I do think that Russ was getting moved a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Russ wants to move, but Russ also had to move. Um, but yeah, I mean, largely, I, I don't think the offensive line was anything to complain about at least. Oh my God. I've got to stop us for a second. I think we've got another Pete Carroll. What the hell post game comment. I mean, at this point, if you told me he was just trolling us, like. <laughs> he just it, said uh, he wanted to take the safety with Dixon punting out of the end zone and he couldn't get the signal in in time. Uh, all right. So they were <laughs> up. Were they up at that point? They, they were, were. They were up 25 to 20 at that point. So it would have been 25, 22. And that would have been early, though, in the game like in the fourth quarter in the game or something like that what's that it's like 10 minutes left in the game i think huh i i mean 
I, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at like the specific situation, whether that actually makes sense to have wanted to do, but like just to like tell on yourself and just be like, ah, we fucked it up though. Like <laughs> <laughs> so at the very least, you couldn't do the thing that you were trying to do. And yeah. maybe the thing you were trying to do was dumb. I don't think that this was again one of Pete Carroll's better games. Uh and you know, I, well, I don't know that I think it's pretty consistent. Um, sorry, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say we can give them we can start with the good at the end of the game. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you, fair enough. Like, go on. What was yeah, good? Well, I think you're more happy about this than I am because I'm just like, cool. You you cleared like the baseline of smart decision making. But yeah, I mean, it is progress uh, that you know they they had that uh, in the game situation, trying to run out the clock, blew the clock out, win the game, uh, and they pass on that third down. Where I think you're right. A lot of a lot of times in the past, they would have they would have ran in that situation. I think it Absolutely. helped. It helped that it was a long third down like it made his decision probably pretty easy should have made him his decision pretty easy but hey he did it it's it, i mean, I think i think it it should have made the decision pretty easy for a generic coach knowing right. he i mean that that seemed like to really jump against his pattern and, and against his his tendencies so that really stood out to me and it was a huge play i mean i don't know that you can be sure that Myers is going to kick that field goal and make it and if he misses it and the Browns get the ball with you know two minutes to go minute and a half to go and and down three points or four points would have been yeah four points um it would have looked a lot a lot like the end of the first half against the Rams yeah yeah so that was a big deal I also thought that um uh I thought his adjustments he clearly made some adjustments in the second half on defense I mean, the defense did play better there. Um, we got our first Marquise Blair sighting. Not that he his biggest contribution was drawing a probably bad call of a blindside block against uh, the Browns. Um, he was the player that they called the Jarvis Landry for doing a blindside block. But at least he's on the field. Maybe that means there's a chance. Um, Tedrick Thompson, two games, two interceptions. They were rotating Thompson, Blair, and Hill. Yeah. I think I only saw Blair get one series, uh, or at least one play. I don't even know if it was a series. I saw him on the field. I saw him get the he really ran into Jarvis Landry. Um, but at least he was physical. And guess what? He, he drew a flag. So, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. But Tedrick Thompson, a lot of that game was just typical Tedrick it was typical pain just guys not getting covered um poor tackling but he's got two picks in two games so I don't think he's going anywhere um what else I mean let's talk for a second about um how big do you think this Will Disley injury is for this team uh so wait can we go back to the safety thing yes uh so you're yeah it was 25 20 uh, there was 10 minutes left in the, in the, in the, in the, in the game, in the fourth quarter. Uh, it would have made it a field goal game if they take a safety and then give the ball back to the Browns, who then would have had 10 minutes of game to like, like ultimately like just get a field goal or like just outscore Seattle by three, just to push it to overtime. Like, also, like, should we start to talk about Michael Dixon? Well, yes, we have to. I mean... Because Pete's telling us to talk about Michael Dixon. If, if Pete is saying, I have an all-pro punter 
because Michael Dixon was an all pro punter. Yeah. I need to go, I need to take a safety just to like get the field position out of it. I mean, even, you know, I mean, even Dixon last year, what you could have hoped that he would have, they would have gotten the ball around the half, like the, the 50 yard line, probably that, that, I mean, the 50 yard punt, that'd been pretty good. Right. Yeah. So you're talking, you know, you're talking, you're probably talking about 20 yards of field position. Give it, you're, you're, you're giving up two points to get 20 yards of field position. But like clearly, he does not feel confident that that. Dixon well, and, and look at what Dixon did there. I mean, it was a very tough situation. You're not going to get many tougher situations for a punter. Grant, grant him that. But come on, dude. I mean, if it doesn't get blocked, get a foot into it. I mean, that's all you're being asked to do there, and and kick it right out of bounds. I mean, you're not you're not going to get any coverage because you they had to bring in all their their punt coverage guys to defend the the, the punt rush. Dixon's been bad. He's been he's just not been good, and it's really well, like, frustrating. It's weird though because this is fascinating to me. I don't know anything about punters. Punters don't just get bad, do they? Like Plackemeyer kind of did, I guess. <laughs> good, good pull there. Didn't he though? Like Plackemeyer was great for a couple years, and then all of a sudden he wasn't as good, and then he was gone, and then he was out of the league pretty quick. I don't know. I mean everyone's everyone's frustrated about it for sure um like the Myers thing makes sense right like okay he got lucky on a couple kicks last year like he's the same guy he ever he always was right but just to see a guy go from like an all pro to like I'm low-key terrified every time I have to see him punt it's it's crazy I mean there are some numbers that kind of challenge it because I mean, before this game, or maybe it was before the last game. Uh, well, at least before the saints game, I know for sure there. So it's going back a ways. He had the same net average that he had last year. And, hmm. and so I was like, okay, maybe my eyes, maybe I'm just like, my expectations are really different, but then it's, it's I don't know, man, it's just been bad. It's been bad, and and he was such a big difference maker for this team last year. I think this defense would have been significantly worse. I think they would have gotten a lot more points if they didn't have Dixon punting last year. And so I look this year, and they need him. They need him. Mm-hmm. They need that help just as much, and they're not getting it. And people in the chat are talking about the wind and how that may have played a role. But I don't know, man. I mean, he he, he was not an all-pro punter today. Have we ever seen – Pete do that take the safety I mean I know that's kind of a rare circumstance where it makes sense but like I don't I don't know that you can really argue that it made sense in this situation so like for him to say that's something that he was considering is, is a surprise right no it is it is just that's why I stopped my tracks when I saw it it's stupid it is stupid I mean it is really dumb and he'll probably look at that and say look and see we got this bad punt and they got a touchdown an easy touchdown out of it as justification that next time he should do that and I'm like do you think that Pete is over overly reliant on results-based analysis? Yes, of course he is. Wow. He is. But you know what? Seahawks are five and one, dude. They sure are. Seahawks are five and one. That's how their best start in franchise history. Um, when we knew that Jaron Reed was going to be out for the first six weeks of the season, there wasn't a one of us that thought that they would be five and one to start this year. And so, you know, Results-based analysis from an um, analytical perspective is, is super flawed, and, and I, I think I understand that. 
he probably even gets that to some some extent but this is a guy who just loves gut instinct football and you know he loves that that part of that part of what makes it a fun game for him but then he always cries about it after every, oh you know i got hormonal i messed that up like maybe stop <laughs> like relying on your gut if you're gonna like use it as an excuse every time i know it's really true you know you guys have called for before that you'd love to see pete give up the reins of the offense to an offensive guy and and have that person drive it i for a lot of reasons i don't think that will happen if 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 you could tell me that he was going to hire a quality control coach who was responsible for all challenges and all like strategic decisions um i think that that might be the that might be like the best possible uh realistic thing that could happen i mean that thing is that i've heard that they have that guy well, they used to count on on uh, what's his name, Taters, Tater, uh, oh, the old guy. Was the guy. That was the guy that would tell Pete whether you should challenge. It was like these two old guys, like badgering <laughs> about like oh, that that bullshit. Let's go for it, you know, like. So Pete needs to find the one guy older than him to help him make these analytic based decisions. <laughs> we can't make the whole show about complaining, though. I mean, That's people true. are excited. They're five and one. Let's let's talk for a second. I mean. So we're going to talk about the Disley thing, but that's a bummer. So, so you know, they're saying it's an Achilles injury. He's out for the year. Um, I thought Luke Wilson played another solid game, um, you know. Uh, but I thought from a receiver perspective, you talked about decaf. Um, is how yeah, you decaf. Uh, I thought this was his best game, um, maybe since the opener. And in some ways, I felt like this was his best game of the year and and let me tell you why like i don't know if that'll hold up to review i'm just saying initial gut reaction i thought he was involved most consistently throughout the game um i thought the plays that he made were big ones and big moments um i thought that he did more varied there are more variable ways that he was involved in the offense he had an end around it was nice to see. You don't see big dudes, 220-pound dudes, take end rounds very often. I think that's a smart way to get him involved. I thought he had a great run after the catch in the first half where he just trucked a few guys. And just, I love that he looks for contact that way. And um, great diving, like two pretty good catches. Um, the, the diving one along the sidelines where he kept his feet in. We haven't seen that yet from him. And then the play at the end that sealed the game. That was not an easy catch. I know Cleveland fans think that it was a strip or it should have been incomplete. I thought it was a legitimate catch um, and a good one. So I just really like, he ended up with four catches for 69 yards, 17.3 average. His long was a 30 yarder and he had four catches and five targets. So I had a really solid game for Metcalf. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, without having seen the first half, I don't, I, I don't think he did anything too crazy there um not a ton of splash plays or anything like that you know he's not none of the just the getting wide open deep and you know running past everyone for a touchdown or anything like that he like, just exactly like you said he just did all of the stuff that you want a receiver to do right he um the toe tap on the 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 sideline catch you know body in that receiver out like that that was close um and i don't think that's what he's particularly good at uh, but it was a catch for sure, and he's certainly at least capable of, you know, making it work and stuff. So 
yeah, I mean, that was something that stood out to me is that, you know, you were hearing his name, um, but it wasn't on just like the, you know, the the shot play, the shot, the two man route play action stuff that they like to do, right? He was doing a little bit of everything. And so that was really cool. Yeah, I think I, I you know, the part of the first half that you will enjoy is the first half, like game, offensive game plan. I mean, right from the jump, there were a lot of quick passes. They were involving the, the um, running backs in you know, nice plays with, with a lot of space. Uh, they were getting quick passes out to the receivers. Russ hit eight receivers in the first half. So a lot of people, Malik Turner doesn't really show up in the box score. Zero catches, one target. Dude had a sick move um, in the end zone to draw what was probably a bogus pass interference penalty, but um, great move by him. Um, and we didn't talk about the block punt. I don't know if you even heard about that that happened, but, uh, heard about it, yeah, but okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, you had David Moore knifing through making a big play there and then Malik Turner recovering it. That was a huge turning point in that game. They only got three points out of it, but it was a big deal. And that must have, that must have been a, a, I wish I could have seen you watch that punt block. I don't even need to see the punt block, but if it was David Moore or Malik Turner, I can only imagine. I was pretty happy. If only I could have like lateraled it to CJ Procise to run it in beside myself. Well, Procise would have to play teams for that to happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, hey, he's got six straight weeks of being uh, available. Uh, Mr. Penny, third, third out of six games that he has not been available. And that is pretty ironic given the fact that he's playing against Nick Chubb, who they didn't pick because they had durability concerns and Penny was supposed to be the guy that had off the charts durability. So there, there's a lot Schneider, of things. Like, not Schneider. Schottenheimer is probably just nonstop killing somebody for that, right? Because Shotty was like, he, he was in Chubb's corner, right? You could hear it, right? In the, yeah, press, in the press conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could totally hear it. Yeah. yeah. Somebody is never going to hear the end of that from him. Yeah. I, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think all of us on the pod pretty much would like to see Brian Schneider can't and bring in a new special teams coach. And I don't think this game did a lot to change that, but I always like to be even-handed. And that looked like they schemed up a pretty good play to block that punt. It didn't look like it was just a breakdown on the Browns. They they had a little scheme in play that that the Browns were not ready for. So give give Schneider credit for that. Um, I still would like to see a different special teams coach. Um, all right. Um, this pass rush, Nathan, I mean, no sacks, no QB hits. Zero, zero. It's bad. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's obviously like, they they should do better than that, right? But I, I just don't know how much people should be reasonably expecting of this pass rush. Like, I know they went and got Ansa, and I know they went and got Clowney. And, you know, Ansa, I mean, Ansa had a legit pass rushing year last year, and Clowney was good, for sure. But, like, Ansa is also coming off an injury, and it's old. And Clowney has never been an elite pass rusher. He is a very, 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 very good player, but, like, He's just not one of the best passers in the league. And then you take out, you know, Jaron Reed. And so now you're looking at a lot of snaps with, uh, you know, Puna Ford and Al Woods and 
a lot of times not Ziggy Ansah, right? Because they're still, you know, trying to use him selectively. And so today was bad, zero and zero. Like, you, you can't do that, right? Um, I mean, we'll see how many pressures they end up with. I'm, I'm betting not a lot. But at the same time, this probably is not an elite or even great, you know, or even top 10 pass rushing unit. We'll see what they are by the end of the year if Ansa gets, you know, going and gets right and Reed comes back, you know, and maybe, you know, Green continues to grow because he's been a bright spot, right? And Jefferson can maintain. He's been good too. But this probably is not going to be a team that just hounds quarterbacks all years. Obviously not, right? We, we haven't seen anything that would indicate that so far. Yeah. And is there any part of you, any part of you that thinks Jaron Reed's going to make a meaningful impact to that part of the, the defense um sure i mean he'll make a meaningful impact but like is he going to turn the ship around or is he going to make this a meaningfully different pass rush group no that that probably won't happen yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at like I, i'm i'm having trouble uh i'm having trouble believing that um what what do you think like what do you think is a reasonable expectation of um of how Reed's going to affect the defense. Like what, what should fans like feel some confidence over that that might happen? It's a good question. Um, I mean, they'll just get, they'll probably just get a little better across the board. Um, <clears throat> especially in path rush, like the path rush should definitely improve with him. Um, uh, Woods and Ford are, are going to be really good or are really good at stopping the run. And so they may not get better there when they're starting to mix read in. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, fans should have every expectation that the pass rush gets better, but we're still talking about, you know, adding the defensive tackle to a pass rushing group. It, it's, it's not Aaron Donald. And so it's just not going to be that huge of a step forward. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll look back at it and we'll say that, you know, the added benefits of just resting guys a little bit more and, you know, pushing, you know, one guy, the, the guy that's at the bottom of the, of the, the group right now, you know, off. And, and so you don't have that guy playing anymore. You're replacing him with Sharon Reed. Everybody gets a little bit more rest. Maybe, maybe it'll be a bigger, a bigger deal. Right. Um, it's not going to transform who these players are. Like, I think if you want this, team to become a very good pass rushing group you need to see Ansa get back to you know maybe not prime Ansa, but something approaching that right and showing you know knocking off all the rest and showing he can stay healthy that to me is where you can see a big step forward in the pass rush um but with reed you're just you're just going to kind of see a, a rising tide more than anything i think i think that's probably that, that's probably fair and <laughs> you you won't you won't necessarily agree on this point but maybe you will I would rather see them be good at stopping the run and still bad at rushing the passer than bad at stopping the run and bad at rushing the passer. So even if he makes a difference, <laughs> I will take good and bad over bad and bad. Okay, sure. good, good. At least I can get you to agree on that point. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Reed is, he, he is strong um, defending the run. And, and I think having a rotation there, you know, maybe makes those guys a little bit better there. I have more confidence in that than I do that he's going to transform the pass rush, to be honest. Um, I still think the linebackers are not playing that well. I, I mean, the linebackers are not great. I do want to tell you one thing. Um, this game was unique in a lot of ways, but this was the first time in the Pete Carroll era 
that the Seahawks have been down by eight points or more in the first quarter on the road and won. So they've never wow. been down by as much as they were down by after the first quarter in this game. They're down 14 to, 14 to six on the road and won. In fact, if you're a Seahawks fan, this is a very unfamiliar feeling. This is only the eighth time in the history of the Seahawks that they've done it. And the last time they did it was 2007. Um, that was at St. Louis and they won 24, 19, um, you know, and then before that it was 2001 happened twice in 1997, but you know, basically this has only happened three times since the year 2000. So in Weird. 20 years, it's pretty rare. Once the Seahawks start bad on the road that badly, at least down by, you know, not more than a score, but more than a touchdown. They don't turn around very often. Yeah, somebody was pointing something in the chat that, you know, overall, the Seahawks are, if you look at point differential and you look at stuff like that, where like this is the third time that they've done it this century, um, they're getting a little lucky. Uh, I, I think they are a good team, though. I, there's probably, they're, they're probably going to get smacked again at some point, kind of like that Saints game where, you know, a bunch of this stuff that all the stuff that we're, we complain about was Pete and some of the point differential stuff like it'll catch up to them at some point and they'll probably get knocked around at some point again because they're not you know a great team this is this is still to me not a super bowl team um i think it's a team that's that should should be in the discussion for like you know top four for the 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 conference and so you know you're you're talking about discussion about being in the championship game and stuff like that but they're, they're not an elite team and so um but they are good and, and they're getting lucky and you know, this luck now will roll into like real tangible benefits later if they can keep this up, right? You're talking now about stuff like home field advantage and bye weeks and stuff in the playoffs if they can keep this up. So yeah, they're, they're, they're a little better. They're, or their record's a little better than they really are right now. But, you know, that record is what will ultimately count when it comes to playoff time and they're trying to figure out, you know, where they're playing and where they're going and all that. Well, I mean, I think we can both agree this offense is really good. It's really good. And I think that's without caveat. Like they were number one in DVOA, right? Coming into this week, I think. But passing offense was number one, right? Passing offense. I didn't I didn't see that. Yeah. That's right. Interesting. So yeah, number three overall DVOA offense coming into this game. And if you look, you know, their last five games, 28 points, 27 points, 27 points, 30 points, 32 points. So, you know, you're scoring 27 or more every time. Uh, yardage in those games 425 515 340 against Arizona interestingly um, 429 454 so you know you're looking at an offense that's putting up significant yardage um, at first downs they had uh, 29 first downs this game they had 25 first downs in the last game um, you know they've had over 25 first downs in four of their past five games so you know, that's an offense that's moving the ball with a, a decent amount of reliability. So that's, that's, that's where they're going to win. And then you're just hoping, hoping that the defense finds something, you know, finds something more reliable, kind of like this game, right? Like offense was good. Defense was not <laughs> special teams was not. And you're just hoping they finally do something and they did enough. I mean, they got four turnovers whether or not you believe they're all, you know, caused by them or not, they got them. So I think that's going to be the story of this team. And you just, 
you have to hope that Pete Carroll's background for all the things we've talked about that he does not do well. He does tend to get his teams playing better at the end than he does at the beginning. And he is a better defensive coach than he is an offensive coach. He does not have overwhelming talent on that side of the ball. You're just hoping that they find something. I think that's, 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 if you're wanting the Seahawks to be more than just a, maybe a one, one win in the playoffs kind of team, that's what you're hoping for. Yep. Uh, now the flip side of all this is that they are getting very unlucky with this division, I think, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's going to come down to those last few weeks between the Rams, the Niners and the Seahawks. And so unfortunately they're getting lucky, you know, they're outperforming their point differential. They squeaked this one out, right? Uh, they squeaked out that Rams game and, and they're not in any way running away and hiding, right? They, they have not built themselves any kind. I mean, they're second, right? They're still, behind, they're still behind the, the Niners, even with all that. So, yep. um, that, that could be where it evens out for them too, a little bit that they're going to get a little unlucky with the strength of the division this year. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're a good team that's getting lucky that hopefully can take those wins that they've taken and, and, you know, put them to good use when they need to, when it comes to seeding time for the playoffs. All right, Nathan, we've covered a lot here. Um, other, anything else that uh, that comes to your mind uh, out of this game? Anything you feel differently about after this game than you did before? No, I mean, it's probably worth talking about how good, we should spend more time talking about how good Russ is right now because yeah. he's always been good. Uh, and, and he's always had, there's always been fair criticisms of Russ. Um, a lot of people, I think, have taken those too far and said things like, he can't throw short. Like, that's not true. He can throw short. He, and he does that stuff well. Um, and, or, you know, he never throws it away. Like, well, that's not true either, right? But, um, and, you know, we all joked about the accountability thing with Shoddy, but I think it's fair to say that Shoddy has, you know, improved his habits a lot and has refined him a little bit. Um, or he's refined himself. Like, who knows what it is? But whatever is going on, the last couple of years between better offensive line play you know, a new offensive coordinator and just his experience in the NFL, you're seeing all of those things that people that he could be criticized for start to kind of fall away. Like he still takes too many sacks, but not, not as many sacks. And when he takes the sacks, they're not as bad as sacks and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And so, uh, and, and, and then, you know, he has started to slow down. I think that's pretty obvious, but um, he's still very dynamic uh, moving around, you know, either scrambling for yards or just buying himself time. And his, you know, I think he's, uh, he was running away, like number one, far and away in terms of accurate throws. There was some, some, uh, using the next gen stats and the player tracking where like balls 40 yards downfield within one yard of, uh, you know, a a player or something like that on target of the player. He's like, you know, 10 percentage points or something like that ahead of Mahomes, who was number two. Like, he was just far and away the best. And so, you know, all that stuff that's made him great in the past is all there. And all that stuff that people were like, mm, if you could just tighten that up a little bit, he did. And so right now he's just, you know, I mean, we've talked about him for MVP at times in the past, and it's still early this year. But uh, I think he, to me, without having watched a ton of Watson so far, uh, I think to me right now he's, the leader for MVP he should be the leader for MVP. He is. Uh, he absolutely is. And, you know, I, I tweeted ahead of the game. It is it's so aggravating. I'm sure people aggravated with me, but I, I think in order to say that Russ is playing the best he's ever played, and I, I absolutely believe that to be true, <clears throat> that means that he used to be less good at those things. Like, <laughs> it's just part of the thing. Like, he has not always been flawless, and everything that's gone wrong in the past has not always been someone else's fault. Like, 
there were areas of his game that were less good than other areas. It does not mean he was ever bad or couldn't throw short. I mean, that's ridiculous. But my point at the beginning of this game was I was going into this saying, look, I've watched a lot of Seahawks football, a lot of Seahawks football. And this is a game they lose all the time, all the time. Like forget who's coaching, who get the players, like four and one shaky throughout going on the road against a team. That's not that good, but it's kind of got their season on the line and they just find a way to lose those games. And you're just like, God dang it. We really can't lose that game. But somehow we did. And the one thing that was giving me hope this week, because I was really having a bad feeling about this game, was thinking about Russ and thinking like, you know what? All of my perspective on this game is based off of history of having a team that just not, doesn't consistently um, play well um, in these situations. And I started thinking about guys like Tom Brady and, and some of the other offenses that, you know, regardless of week or season, I think that most teams fear them wherever they play and that they're just really hard to stop. He's super smart. He'll find weaknesses in your defense, and he just he's a threat every single week. And people freaked out at me, at least some people did. Like, ah, oh, that's passive aggressive. Russ is already way better than Tom Brady and all this other stuff. And I'll just say, like, Russ, I thought, played great today. He did exactly what I wanted to see, and, and, and it gives me so much more confidence to say, this might be different than those other teams. He might be writing a new narrative for how the Seahawks are going to play. And how amazing would it be to be able to say that the Seahawks offense is going to be as consistently threatening as Tom Brady's offense has been for the past few years. Don't know that we can say that yet, but I think that's what I'm kind of watching. And that's, that's, I thought rusted everything today. Um, uh, to, to earn that. I, I do want to take one quick second and think, uh, I think it's Yeti. For giving, uh, for donating the chat. Um, for folks who haven't already, please join up at patreon.com slash Some of uh, the folks in the Ring of Honor are going to get a treat this uh, next weekend. Um, a bunch of us, everyone but Evan, which is probably a bonus to some people, are, are going to be at the Raven Seahawks game. And we, you know, that includes Cable Thanos, includes, you know, Will, uh, Jeff is flying in from Toronto. And uh, for any of the, the patrons who are in the Ring of Honor, I'm going to buy them all the drinks and food they want pregame. So uh, join up if you haven't already, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. And, uh, you know, for other people, you know, we're taking questions. We really appreciate your support. So I got another great Cable Thanos video this week. Hopefully people love that. I thought that opening was, was fire. <laughs> I was in hysterics. So, um, and, and anyone else that gives uh, and donates, we really, really appreciate it. Um, you look like you saw something surprising that caught your attention, Nathan. Anything? No, I'm trying to figure out my lighting situation here. I'm like in a shadow, but like I've got the windows open. It's sunny outside. It's just, I don't know what's going on. That's all right. That's all right. So, hey, folks uh, in the chat are asking for a shout out. I appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, we're, 